Like I said, with this particular study, I um, when it, the information originally kind of came to me, uh, it uh, it's actually I feel that this is really good. It's a good message, but it's not necessarily a good message. It's it's a good message, but it's a message that's good in a way that you wouldn't believe. With this, I feel that this message is actually really good for funerals. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I um, wound up actually getting in contact with a lady today over at uh, Family Dollar, and she was like, uh, I used to say, so you know, what's going on? How are you? You know, mm -hmm. and I'm trying. I don't try to be one of those people that's always upbeat and energetic. Uh -huh. I don't try to. I try to be real. And if I'm having a bad day, you know, just yeah. let your hair down, mm -hmm. because it's almost like you're creating an unfair impression to people that you're always upbeat and you're always. And it's not going to be that way all the time. Right. But some people that you come in contact with. It's like they bring out certain aspects about your personality to where it's like, okay, well, you know, you are glad to see them. You are happy. You are, you know, upbeat when you see them. Right. So you don't want to detract from that. Mm -hmm. So when I um, talked to the lady earlier today at uh, Family Dollar, right where I actually wound up getting the snacks from, um, I was like, well, God bless, you know, how you doing? And she's like, well, it's a good day. She's like, I guess it's one of those things that kind of, drug her out. It's still early in the morning, so you mm -hmm. really hope that the rest of the day goes smooth sailing. But with what she said, mm -hmm. it was, uh, she was being thankful, but it's like she had to force herself to be thankful, have to find something in order to maintain hope. Mm -hmm. And then it's almost like I caught, I can't say necessarily a chill, but it seems like the study that I created kind of fit hand in hand with it. So I'm like, okay, let me sit here and think. And when we think about dying, when we think about going to heaven, we think about a ghost or an apparition, something that doesn't have legs or so on and so forth. But one of the things that when we see that Jesus basically ascended, you know, from earth back up into heaven, and then when we see that after his death, it was the third day, he showed himself to the disciples and they were afraid because all of a sudden they were talking about Jesus and all of a sudden he appeared in the middle of them. When Jesus appeared in the middle of them, they were afraid. They were like, okay, you know, what's going on? And Jesus asked him, say, why do thoughts arise in your heart? He said, come here, handle me, feel me. See that a spirit does not have flesh and bones like you see that I have. To me, if we could wrap our brain around that concept, that is something to, to, to know that number one, if you die in him, he that basically believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So you'll be able to live in him. And when you're able to live in him, the things that you have to look forward to, I hate to say it, but I mean, you would not, you would shrug off the idea about funerals. You would shrug off the idea. And that's what we're going to go into a little bit right here with this particular study. It talks about seeds. Mm -hmm. But then we go into a little bit about the equal opposite. And that's where I said that I didn't want to drag off into a negative area. Mm -hmm. But we, um, in, in a little bit, uh, close to the last two or three pages, it goes into a little bit about the mark of the beast and what Satan is trying to transform his people into also. Mm -hmm. So having said that, 
we will go into the study. Um, one of the purposes of any Bible study is to attempt to take the audience from any given known and lead them into an unknown pertaining to the Bible truth as revealed by God through study. And like I said, I felt that what God had done for me is show, when God showed me that, it was something to look forward to. It was something to say, look, you know, we're going to go forward and then when we are resurrected, we're not going to be weak and feeble. We're going to be much stronger than what we know. And that is something very much so to, to, to be excited about, actually. Uh, in John chapter 12, verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. With this, Jesus is trying to open us up to the idea that certain things have to happen, but you do not have to be afraid about it. Um, with this, Jesus possessed a high skill level to be able to deliver messages through parables in so much that he could deliver a message and hit an intended target and the rest of the crowd remain oblivious except for a few, you know, to its true meaning. Here's... Here, we wish to extend the opportunity to anybody who can actually receive this message based on scriptural support. So it is saying that not everybody will be able to grasp the concept. You know, not everybody will be able to, but we want to attempt to try to put this message across and attempt mm -hmm. to open and enlighten people. Um, exocentric is the name of a person who, if you're speaking to an audience, you could say encoded messages or hidden messages mm -hmm. that only a handful of people inside the audience will be able to accept. Um, in John chapter 12, verse 24, it could easily be interpreted that Jesus was trying to convey a stronger message than agricultural topics. When we take a look at John chapter 6 and 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. In its simplest terms, Jesus is trying to warn us that to try to invest in just the flesh by itself is futile and pointless. But preparation for the soul also has to be taken into consideration. When I attempt to look up seed cycle information about when I attempted to look up seed cycle, information about hormonal balance and menstrual cycle came up. So it when I just basically Google seed cycle, it kind of defeated the purpose. It wasn't exactly the information that I was looking for. So basically, whenever I uh, typed in a seed of wheat and basically uh, the cycle of a seed of wheat. So I just took just one particular agricultural topic and this is basically what I found. The winter wheat life cycle from seedling to the supermarket Basically, it starts with the germination, and when a mature wheat kernel is put back into the soil as a seed, it will begin to absorb water and allow for three seminal roots to develop. Uh, I'm trying to think. I remember the Hebrew root word gemel is also the number three, and I know it talks about rewards and or punishments, but I know that... Uh, it talks about carrying and it talks about baskets and everything like that. And we normally put fruit in baskets. So with that, you can also see that even on a genetic level, God's word is still remaining true. God's word is still, you know, bringing forward fruit. It's still going right back to what it is that God intended it to do. Um, this will allow for plant growth, which can bring forth food to humans on earth. But if it stays 
just as a seed by itself, it won't bring forth anything. Plenty of times throughout the Bible, we are encouraged to bring forth fruit in God's kingdom. Matthew chapter 7 and 19, every tree that bringeth forth not fruit, not good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. The life will one day return to the earth. That is why Jesus said the flesh will profit nothing. When we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 10, always bear about the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe and therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak continually. And then we go down to verse 14. I felt that this was a really important um, verse. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus Christ shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us to you or us with you. And then I wrote right there, the, the scripture is important, but I'm going to rest on that. We're just really looking at the scripture that basically says that we will be resurrected. So when we go into 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 35, um, we'll just take for granted that that scripture is true. And we know that it is that we will be resurrected. <coughs> When I go into 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 35, but some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened or become alive, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain. So with that, according to... Okay, I'm going to freeze frame right there. What the Apostle Paul was simply trying to say is, is that if you've got a sunflower seed, the sunflower seed itself does not look like the sunflower. It's a seed. So it'll have, the seeds may not necessarily look like what it will become. So when we sit down and we see that everything will eventually go back to the earth. Whenever we see that, whenever our bodies go back to the earth, we will look probably completely different. We will not have the same idea of what we are now is going to be somewhat altered. It's going to be different. It's not going to be the same thing. And they said, um, the Apostle Paul said the same thing, even with the seed, whenever it comes forward. I can't get an acorn and say, this is exactly how an oak tree looks. If acorns bring forth oak trees. So I'm forgetting which one brings forth what. But, <laughs> but to the same effect, you know, even let's go back to the sunflower. That's where I feel safe at. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't go too far off in the unknowns. Like, okay, acorns going to bring forth pine trees. Like, okay, that's not yeah. right. But, you know, it doesn't look the same. What you have in your hand as far as a seed is not necessarily what the actual fruit, whenever it brings forth, just like a peach. Now, I love peach. I'm in love with peach. Mm -hmm. The seed does not look like the tree itself. Mm -hmm. So... Note, according to Wiki, the various planets are thought to have formed from the solar nebula the disk-shaped the disc cloud of gas and dust left over from the sun's formation. The currently accepted method by which the planets is formed is called accretion, in which the planets begin as dust grains in orbit around a central protostar. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 40 and 41, 
There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. And that's also to say, you know, if we just take one race of individuals, we can't say that all Koreans look the same. We cannot say all African Americans or all Caucasian people. We can't say that they all look the same. Different people have different talents, different capabilities. So even if we will all be resurrected, that is not to say that in the resurrection that we will all possess the same spiritual capabilities and or the same spiritual qualities also. In John chapter 3 and 5, and Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Of course, we know Jesus is referring to the Holy Ghost. And we've got two more scriptural references beyond that with Luke chapter 24 and 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. While reading that, I felt that it was really important while Jesus told them to tarry at Jerusalem. And the Spirit is going to be sent in Jerusalem. It wasn't Terry at Bethlehem. It wasn't Terry at Jericho. It wasn't Terry at Ascalon or any of the other places. But he said Jerusalem specifically for a reason. And we see that whenever Jesus comes back, he'll set up his throne again in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we know with the scriptural reference that reinforces that you must be born again to inherit the kingdom of God right back with the Holy Ghost. So when we revisit 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 14, knowing that he, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus Christ shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Let's look at some of the aspects of Jesus' resurrection. When we look at John chapter 15 and 15, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what is the Lord what his Lord doeth, but have called but I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. So with John chapter 15 and 15, we see that Jesus calls us friends. So in Matthew chapter 12, verse 50, For whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same as my brother and my sister and mother. So with that, of course, we know that that's considered to be siblings. So you can see that you will, the same form that Jesus, when Jesus is resurrected, some of the same things that we saw that he does, we will be in the same like manner. It's not that you will be cut out of or taken out of or withheld from any particular aspect except for to reign on his throne that's set aside strictly for him. But all other aspects we will also possess. Of course, we know that natural siblings tend to share like qualities and or traits. Uh, and the bleacherreport.com, I wound up pulling up uh, some information about the 25 most talented Olympic families. I got to the first two of them, and after that I got, <laughs> I got tired, and I said, you know what? It's a lot of information, so we just know that whenever you look at the Fernandez Ochoas, they were siblings, they're originally from Spain. Their specialty was alpine skiing, and I want to say they won gold medals in 1968. 1972, 1976, 1980, 84, 88, and 92. The Dodds were from England 
archery. And in 1908, basically in London, they basically took away gold medals with that. And there are 25 other people, and I'm sure that there are more siblings that won a lot more medals. But if you look at Venus and Serena Williams, you know, their siblings and or, that doesn't mean that you don't have to train, that you'll automatically be grafted into that. So that means that we've got to work, we've got to train, we've got to make sure that we do what it is and be obedient to God's word. But if we are, we can hope to attain what it is that Jesus attained. Um, when we look at Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 39, and as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet that are desired. Myself, handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone, as ye see me have. And a little bit past that, Jesus, they gave Jesus a part of a broiled fish and a part of a honeycomb, and Jesus did eat in front of them. I think that was more to calm them down to let them see that, hey, look, I'm flesh and blood. So the idea that when we die and we go to heaven that we're just going to have, we're not even going to have feet, you know, because taff feet stink. And he's just going to have a little wavy mark down at the bottom of it. So it's like, you know, like, thank God I'm a spirit because my feet just like are raw. But you know, we see that Jesus had flesh and blood. We see that, you know, he was able to teleport. He was able to do a lot of things that we can't do here in the spirit without his spirit. Jesus was able to appear out of thin air or teleport. Many times we believe in heaven and ghost-like figures and disembodied spirits. Jesus was in full form. Jesus had special capabilities that even before the crucifixion were present in him in order to perform certain miracles and certain things. How much more should we look forward to life in Christ? Below basically is just a list of miracles that he performed, a small list. Uh, healing the mother of Peter's wife healing the deaf and muted Decapolis, healing the blind at birth, healing the paralytic at Bethesda, the blind man at Bethesda, or Bethsaida, the blind man at Bethesda, the blind man Bartimaeus at Jericho, the centurion servant, he healed the infirm woman, man with a withered hand, cleansing of the leper, healing the bleeding woman, he healed the paralytic at Capernaum, he healed the two blind men, he also healed someone at Gennesaret, and just to tally, the power over demons, he had seven separate cases. Resurrection from the dead, three cases. Control over nature, eight different times. And this was Jesus in the natural. So that's why I say that this, this particular study is something to look forward to and actually probably should be taught at funerals. Because when we go to funerals, we are heartbroken. We have a lot of fear you know we it's a it's a bad time frame but if this person is in God that is absolutely no reason one of the concepts that I felt that God kind of laid on me is is that whenever we get ready to go and we've got a teenager that's going to graduation we are excited about to lose our mind I'm about to jump out of my skin because all of a sudden this person is getting ready to start a brand new life they are excited the possibilities are endless 
But then when we go to a funeral, we don't look at that as a type of graduation. We look at it as something negative, something bad. It was like, well, God, you know. And I guess if we were on our way to hell that we haven't done what God wanted us to do, then yes, I can understand that. But how much more so should we try to adhere to what it is that God wants us to do? How much more should we be excited about the reward to follow? In Acts chapter 8 and verse 26 through 40, it tells the apostle Philip and the Ethiopian, verse 39, and when they were come out of the water, the spirit of the Lord called away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Praise God, there cannot be a more appropriate verse. Here, we see the list of miracles and the blessing that God has bestowed upon not only Jesus, but the disciples also before the death in most of the situations listed, not including Jesus' resurrection. So, so many times we have in life the fear of death, which basically immobilizes us and it prevents us from being able to view God through a more perfect lens, a lens that is truly reflective of the reality that can be achieved by faith. We tend to run from death and we tend to run from God, who is life, and pursue our own pleasures and never really understanding what it is that God has for us. So with that, we never really truly achieve what it is that God has for us. When we look at Hebrews chapter 10 and 9, then said he, lo, I come to do the will, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. And every priest standeth daily ministering, and oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered only one sacrifice, sat down on the right hand of God. Through Jesus Christ, we will be regenerated into a new life in which death can no longer influence our actions or our inactions. So we don't have to really be afraid about that. Even now, God holds the power over life and death. So how much more should we pursue God to the fullest extent? Isaiah chapter 42 and 9. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. God wants us to be able to search out his knowledge. He wants us to be able to know the things that he has set forward to us. My children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That has so many different meanings that we cannot perceive right now. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In this world, we know that Satan also attempts to mimic God. In Isaiah chapter 14 and 13, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Well, while surfing, many different articles, I recently came across an article titled How the Mark of the Beast Will Rewrite the Human Genome. Just a brief excerpt of the article basically was from www.douglashamp.com. The technology known as recombinant DNA, in fact, now makes it possible for a grown man or woman to be altered at a genetic level. If a non-human gene were introduced into the human genome, then the person would no longer be fully human, but would become, a, by definition, a hybrid. The ancient name for the creature that is considered a hybrid is composed of different kinds, is known as a chimera. 
and that is also the name given to it by the scientists today. So technically the human hybrid would no longer be human, but a hybrid or a beast. The article goes on to list Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 through 18. And he calls all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive the mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, save he that hath the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is six hundred and three score and six. So when we see that this is a very real possibility, we are shaken by the understanding that our time is limited. But we also know in Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This is really important in the next uh, paragraph, what I wrote, is in this that we know animals will kill at will and have no control over their emotions. They have no control over their lusts, no control over other sinful tendencies. So even without genetic influence, it's hard to adhere to eternal life without the Spirit of God. So those people who do not seek to do God's will will literally have no hope. How much more, when they are forced into getting the mark of the beast, will they not be able to resist what it is that Satan has put upon them and or even at a genetic level? Translation. Now, I know we said, okay, well, why would Taft go into the mark of the beast right at the end of the study? Because it seems like that's negative. Okay. Translation. The process of translating words or text from one language into another. The process of moving something from one place to another. In Hebrews chapter 11 and 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he would not see death and was not found because God translated him for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him so how much more in this last paragraph it is pointless to try to fight Satan without the power of God so through Jesus Christ we can do greater works than these so to continue to try to believe and be strong enough in order to walk in Christ but also to be encouraged and to know that just like Enoch was translated just like when Moses Basically, it says that when Moses went up into the mountain, Moses began to talk with God. It says that his face shone. So he had a certain light, an illumination that was shining through his skin. So how much more that whenever Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration, it says that Jesus' clothes was white so that no fuller on earth could whiten them whiter than what they were. So when we see that these things are going forward and we know that eventually Satan is going to try to enforce the mark of the beast. But we know that God has not given us a spirit of fear. We know that if basically in Christ that we have power and dominion over unclean spirits, Satan is a spirit. So we, have, we don't have to worry about that. God basically took the keys of death, hell, and destruction. So death, hell, and the grave, I'm sorry. Death, hell, and the grave. So that we know that basically that particular aspect has no control over the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, over his children, over the people that are called and sealed by God's name. So in that, we know that basically if we continue to go forward in God, there's basically no enemy that will be able to stand before you. When the enemy does come in like a flood, we know that God will lift up a standard against him. But 
even still, we know that basically when we continue to do the will of God, we have so much more to look forward to, so many more things in order to achieve in God. I mean, we've seen a list of miracles. It was literally miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And even still, we see that the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul had been shipwrecked. He had been beaten five times. He had been imprisoned multiple times, and he still had the power to continue, still had the power to continue to go. So not even Satan could stop him then, and Satan can't stop us now. So praise God. That's, you know, just what we should continue to be encouraged in.